Hello, and welcome to Evidence-Based Eating. My name is Shay Strauss, and I'm a medical student at the University of Nevada, Reno. This podcast series was created as an introduction into the guidelines that we have for nutrition and exercise. It's based on the biochemistry and research in nutrition and exercise science. The goal of this podcast and its associated website is to break down complex topics into simple and actionable steps. And I hope at the end of each episode, you feel encouraged to learn more and go to the website to read up on the concepts we talk about in an introductory fashion on this podcast. Additionally, I want you to feel inspired to talk with your doctor or a registered dietitian about your nutrition and exercise because it's an important aspect of your health. This podcast series is going to cover biochemistry and the research that we have in nutrition and exercise concepts. So to give you an accurate and unbiased assessment, I will be using expert sources, and these include institutions like the National Institute for Health or NIH. Other institutions I'll be referencing are big groups um, such as universities or um like the American Diabetes Association. I also will be using peer-reviewed publications. Before I get started, I want to get into some important building blocks, such as what is research anyway? Research is when we evaluate something, ideally in a thoughtful manner and with the intention of getting a better understanding at the end. For example, you can do research for a book report where you read about a topic and then you put it all together for your report. You can also do research where you journal and reflect, something I'll be encouraging you to do throughout the podcast. In contrast to those examples, there are well-established protocols for clinical research. And clinical research has its own definition, and to simplify it, it's when we evaluate an intervention that has impacts on the participant's health. I'm linking in the website, uh, the FDA has a great page on all the different types of clinical research for you to read more about all those different types, but I do want to talk about the highest level of data that we can get, and that's from a randomized controlled trial, or RCT, which we also call a double-blind placebo-controlled study. And randomized controlled trials are the only type of study that can really show a cause and effect relationship. It's the It's the type of study that we use when we're trying to create drugs that are going to help treat or change a disease. And let's get into what each part of that means. Randomized means that people enrolled in the study are randomly allocated to a specific treatment or placebo group, otherwise known as treatment arm or placebo arm. And controlled means that there is a group that receives the placebo, which is called the control group. And a double-blind study means that neither the researcher nor the participant knows which arm of the study they are in, with one arm being the treatment group and the other arm being the control group. And that's one of the most important aspects of these studies, and it's important because it helps minimize the effect of bias that can creep into studies. And before these studies get published, a really, really valuable aspect of peer-reviewed journals is that they are peer-reviewed, and that means that experts in the field uh, uh, review the publication for accuracy and quality before it even gets into the world where other people can read it. So some critiques that come up in research, and these are important to think about when you um, go and read original research or uh, when you're evaluating someone else's assessment of a research uh, publication, 
these uh, can creep in by not using a randomized control trial uh, protocol or by um, the study not being well evaluated after the data has been accumulated. So uh, one is that authors will use causal language, such as they'll imply that there's a cause and effect relationship when they report their findings, but the data doesn't support that. So they're making a conclusion that they shouldn't be making. Uh, the second flaw that can get into a study is that the bias of the researcher heavily influences the design of the study. And like I mentioned before, that's why we use those double-blind, placebo-controlled protocols is because it really minimizes the bias that can creep into a study. Third is the evaluation of the data uh, can be changed by confounding factors. So uh, the evaluation of the data isn't absolutely accurate because the confounding factors, the aspects of the intervention that have been impacted by other things um, lead to an accurate evaluation of the data. There's also selective reporting that can lead to inaccurate conclusions, and that's where not all the data is reported. They select certain data. And then four is studies often lack significant power, low sample size, or controls. And what that means is that they just don't have a lot of people enrolled, or they didn't create a control group. So everyone in the study received the treatment. One of the problems in nutrition and exercise science is that Every intervention is complex. A simple intervention would be you want to look at the effect of water and you just take distilled like H2O, hydrogen and oxygen, just pure H2O, just pure water, and you give it to one group and you give another group a fluid that looks exactly like water and is inert and doesn't do anything to that control group and they're randomly assigned, and at the end you're able to say what you think the effect of H2O is versus what you ended up giving the control group, that would be um, more of a simple uh, intervention, meaning you know exactly what you're giving each group. In nutrition science, it's complex because you're going to be studying the intervention of like the Mediterranean diet, or even if you try and simplify it to just kale, or an apple, those are composed of a million different components and a million different chemicals. And it's impossible for you to say, oh, yes, it was definitely the fiber in the apple or the kale that led to this final conclusion, because you can't just isolate the fiber um, when you are studying the whole value of that fruit or vegetable. Um, you want to study the entire fruit or vegetable in its entirety. So um, that leads to a lot of confounding factors. And then there's bias. Everyone has their own bias when it comes to food because of what works for them. And that can always creep into nutrition studies. And it's very difficult to recruit people and it's difficult to control people. So um, nobody wants to live in a box where we can count how many calories they put into their body and that they... Um, you know, burn off through just living. And so it's difficult to run a study where you actually get to have uh, immense control over what that person is 
doing and that limits how accurate the intervention is as well. That doesn't mean that nutrition science isn't valuable. It's extremely valuable. And our guidelines are based on years and years and years of accumulated nutrition and exercise research. And the experts in those fields accumulate all of that years of research and evaluate it for accuracy and quality before they publish it as a guideline. And you might read the guidelines and say, those are so last year, new publications come out all the time and they disagree with this recommendation. And that's true that new guidelines um, do come out and new publications can sometimes be in conflict with old guidelines. But uh, new guidelines are only created when years and years and years of data are accumulated. And that's because that is the best way that we can get to the most accurate information. And so if a new publication comes out, Consider it with the perspective of all of these flaws that are inherent in science and in publishing nutrition research. Um, it's very difficult for us to, with one study, change the way that we recommend people eat or exercise. Um, so take that into consideration if you ever read a new publication um, or somebody talking about a new publication in the news. Uh, just consider that you know, th that's an interesting perspective. It's an interesting thing to think about. It's interesting enough to maybe talk to your doctor about, but it is um, not significant enough to change the guidelines until years of data have been accumulated. So keep that in mind. And so that's it for today's episode. The next episode is going to be on the biochemistry of hunger, uh, one of my favorite topics. But uh Go to the website, read up on these, um, read up on all the different types of trials and study designs and the guidelines that we recommend. I'll be covering those throughout the rest of the podcasts. And remember to be kind, be consistent, and always enjoy your meal. <laughs>